Hello, and welcome to this episode of Check It Out, the Footnotes Edition. I'm Audra, and I am the adult and teen librarian at EVPL McCullough. And I'm Stacy Hurt, the Experience Manager 1 at Central li- Location. And we are here today to talk to you about robots. Yay, robots. We have a coming robot invasion here at EVPL. We're doing a lot of different programming throughout the summer, so we thought we would talk to you a little bit about that and a little bit about our backgrounds with robotics in general. I'm excited. I've loved robots ever since I was a little kid. Grew up reading all the fictional stuff, and then as an adult, it's like, hey, we can do this for real. Yeah, my love of robots came a little bit later. I was in robotics in high school, actually, but it was VEX, so I did more of the building than the actual programming or coding for our team, so that was always a little bit intimidating to me until I got to the library or later and started to play with the equipment a little bit more. Yeah. I, I think it was, I had a hard time with the programming. I just, it's not something I studied when I was in school and younger. Uh, my first experience with it was the old NXT Mindstorm robots. And the coding side of that was so hard. And then later I tried the We Do robots. And it was finally when I got to the Kibo that for the younger kids, that's like, okay, the coding makes sense now. And then I could go back up the ranks to the harder robots and mm-hmm. figure it out. So it took a little while to get my feet wet. But once you're in there, it's just, yeah, to, to do something and make the robot actually do what you asked it to. It's like, wow, I did that. Yay. Yeah, I agree that I had to kind of start with the lowest level and the kids stuff, just like anybody else and work, work your way up through it for sure. So what's your favorite of the robots? So here at EVPL, we have three different systems. They all three have a different age group that they go with. So we've got Kibos, which are ages. Oh, I'd say about four to seven or eight, kind yeah. of early, low elementary levels. Yeah, I've used them with a, a little bit on the higher end, some older oh, kids. And then we have the We Do, which are made by Lego. And those are for your middle grades, kind of. Yeah, upper elementary to junior high-ish, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and we have Mindstorms, also made by Lego, which serve our high school crowd, maybe eighth grade, just kind of depending on ability and previous experience with coding. But I would say my favorite are the We Do's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've always had fun with doing them with middle grades, and I find the coding pretty easy because it's all through blocks. So our We Do's just hook up to an iPad. You build the robot with Legos. Oh, and the software, they, I mean, you can do a free build or you can do a guided build where it's say, you know, put this brick here, put this coding line here, and it does it, you're successful, you have an easy win, but then you can also just build or tweak what they gave you, and then mm-hmm. it, it's that good bouncing off spot for getting creative. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I love that it will walk you through it step by step if that's what you need or if it's your first time doing some sort of coding activity or 
a Lego build like that, but then you can just take it in so many different directions. So I'd say my favorite is probably the We Do Too, but of late, I've been really obsessed with the Kibo robots. Yeah, you've done plenty with Kibo. Do you want to tell them about your ambassadorship and all that process? Yeah, yeah, I should probably should. <laughs> so um, a while back ago, we were doing the the Lego-based robots, the Mindstorms and the We Do's, and we wanted to like kind of go full spectrum. We wanted something aimed at the younger crowd, so kind of introduce them so that when they came up to the older robots, they kind of had their hands on it already. And after a little bit of research, it was recommended we took these Kibo robots. And they're developed from Kinder Lab through Tufts University. After we got a batch of them, I got a training and I ended up actually going back to school to work with the people that invented this robot and learn about early childhood technology in general. So I'm just passionate. I love these. And then so for the company, Kinder Lab, I actually applied and last year was the Kibo ambassador. And I got to do a lot of training of the Kibo robots. And I also get, gave a presentation to a library, uh, youth library convention up in Muncie last year. So I'm all about the Kibos. Kibos are screen free. So it's not all that screen time, which mm-hmm. is different from most robots. And the coding is from wooden blocks with barcodes on it. So you want your robot to turn left, you want it to spin in a circle, you want it to make noise, you want to flash or whatever you want your robot to do. You put the series of blocks together and then you scan the barcodes. And so it's just a very simplistic form of coding. And yet it is still an actual honest to God coding language. And so I've seen four-year-olds make a, teach a robot how to dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that they are a screen-free option. I know that's important to a lot of parents, especially, and that you can still build those coding skills. People don't realize we do a lot of unplugged activities here as well. I know we'll be doing some in the camps that I'm going to lead this summer to start out and kind of Explain just the basic concepts. It's a good way a lot of to get the, started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of the background thought is for kids when they're learning, they really need that tangible hands-on. I mean, you can learn a lot from computers and, and just straight coding. There's a lot of stuff you can do that. But to build the robot, to see it move in three dimension, you know, just that tactile hands-on makes the, the learning experience more vibrant. Mm-hmm. Another thing about the Kibo robots is they're very basic, plain. Uh, they don't do a lot of bells and whistles. I mean, but you have the child decorate the robot first. Yeah, that's that, always fun. That art piece. So then, like, I've done a class where, okay, we're going to decorate it to be an animal. And so we taught our robot, you know, as an animal or a pet, you know, okay, we do obedience lessons or we take it to the vet or, or I'll do it as a person and we'll do a dance party or we'll decorate a robot to be a car. And then we'll, I've, I've had the kids make a little town and we'll do mm-hmm. a snowplow around the town or just, you know, can you, you know, get your robot from home to school? And, you know, there's so many different directions you can take those. Yeah, which is good for that younger age group that you can incorporate some real life things into it as well and give them some examples that are more than just what you would typically think of when you think of a robot or some sort of automation. Well, one thing both with the Weedus and the, the Kibos were you teach a lesson and the robotics is how 
a means to an end. So you're not sitting down saying, I'm going to teach you how to code a robot. It's how can we get our robot to dance or how can we get this, you know, robot to go through this maze? And then the coding is just how you get there. So the focus and the emphasis is on the having fun and the accomplishment and not necessarily on the, did you learn how to code properly? Mm -hmm. And you get that because there's more than one way to make a robot do something. And the most efficient way is not always the best way. Yeah. yeah, and it's always interesting to see them try out different things or learn about loops and repeating a function rather than just putting the same thing over and over and start making those connections. And when a child discovers the looping on their own, they'll remember it better and it's more meaningful. One thing I, I noticed we will do often with the Kibo robots is teach the robot how to dance the hokey pokey. Mm-hmm. So first we'll just do a dance, you know, which is any of the movement um, codes. But the hokey pokey has very specific directions. You know, you put the robot in, the robot out, yeah. throw it in, you shake it all about. And I have seen so many different ways to code the hokey pokey. Mm-hmm. Some will do it slow to match so they could sing along with it. Other people just you know there's a record button and they'll record the song there's you know the shake it all about we've got a shake you know it's just and it's just fun to see how ingenious these kids are to come up with the same dance but done so many different ways no one right answer and that makes it more a good win and a successful to the child instead of trying to find that one right answer yeah absolutely so we've hit Kibos and we do's. We also have mindstorms. They're used a little less frequently because they can be daunting for some staff, um, me included sometimes. We are going to do um, some limited mindstorm stuff this summer. I think Central's going to have like a, what we call a petting zoo where we have all three robots and you can try building, you can try a little coding, but it'll just be a kind of more of a sampling mm-hmm. where I believe at McCullough, you're actually going to do a couple days. Yeah, we are doing three days in, I believe, the beginning of August as a camp. So right before back to school. But the Mindstorms work similar to the We Do's there through Lego. So you build through a guided builder, you can can build something on your own and then they are coded, but it's a little bit more complicated within the coding. They have multiple motors so they can turn different directions, different sensors and stuff. So it, it starts to get a little bit more complicated when you add those elements. Well, let's take it up from a, a Kibo. If you wanted your robot to turn right, you grab the block that has the arrow turning to the right, you mm-hmm. scan it and the robot turns right. When you want the WeDo robot to turn right, you've got your iPad and there's an arrow turning right that looks very similar to the Kibo one and you you know, drag that down to your coding field and it will, mm-hmm. if you want your Mindstorm robot to turn right, well, you, which motor is on the right side? Yeah, exactly. Do you want it to turn for a certain amount of time? Do you want to do it so many rotations? You know, how do you want it to turn? How are you measuring the turn? Yeah. How much of a turn? So that it really does get more involved in the more thinking to it. And that's why we currently have the EV3 versions of the Mindstorms, the old NX. XTs, which are out of commission at this point, were so much even harder to figure out, I think. 
Yeah, I would agree that it's gotten a little bit easier, but still, it. I'd say that it helps to have a little bit of experience. Not that beginners can't come in or come to the petting zoo or one of our camps and start picking it up, start with some of the basic builds. We always give them example codes. We'll work with them, that kind of stuff. But if you do have some coding experience already, I would say that you would be ready to jump into to Mindstorms and taking it to the next level. All of the Lego-based ones, and the Kibo for that matter, too, are loosely based on the same type of coding that Scratch uses. So if your child's ever used a coding language called Scratch, they can slip into the the robot coding very easily. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always like to have them copy the code for a program. Then it's like, okay, what happens if you change this variable? You know, make it go faster or slower or a a wider turn or, you know. And then once they get a feel for how they can change and manipulate the code, then it's like, okay, now come up with your own creative, your own unique code. Yeah, my philosophy is definitely take it a step at a time. There's usually always a handful of kids that are ahead of where I am. So sometimes they end up helping me out. I have seen in past camps, kids make their robots do some incredible things. I've seen one make it do a backflip with the mind storms. Yeah, it was very involved. It took quite a while. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I've had some kids that just blow me out of the way, out of the water with just all the, the unique things that, you know, a young mind can come up with and think and stuff that I wouldn't even think of even trying. And not only do they try it, but they're successful with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the chemo robots, I did get the expansion pack. We got like subroutines. We can get some fairly sophisticated coding. I've had some older siblings come last year. I did two chemo camps and it was an older brother of one of my campers came and I'm like, oh, I got an extra robot play with that. And he got to play with the subroutine blocks. And even though it was a robot made for younger kids, as an older child, he could get pretty sophisticated with the coding. Yeah, I've taken them um, to some older grades through outreach because again, being screen free with just the blocks, they don't need a Wi-Fi connection. So you can take them pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Just so it's convenient. So you had mentioned Scratch. We do a little bit of Scratch Junior through the library. You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Scratch is a a computer coding language made specifically for kids to learn coding. Uh, It was developed out at MIT. If you ever do Hour of Code from Code.org, they will do a lot of stuff on Scratch. And the people at MIT worked with the people at Tufts University to come up with Scratch Jr. So the Scratch Jr. was actually invented by the same person that invented the Kibo robots, where the guy that worked with the Scratch also helped Lego invent that. So academically, it's all, they're all related. And that helps the kids understand the coding. If you were to jump to a different coding language, you'd still have transferable skills. But when you're within the same language family, it really reinforces those skills better. Mm -hmm. So every year in usually around December, I'll do like an hour of code program where we'll play with Scratch. And then I like the Scratch Junior because you don't really need to know how to read as much. It's again, 
it's all pictures. You know, you want something to go turn right. It's the arrow dropping down. And again, it will animate little, you know, mm-hmm. have kids tell stories through animation. And it's co- they, the concept's called coding as a language. How can you use computer coding to express yourself either artistically or scientifically or anyway, somehow to communicate a thought or idea using coding? Yeah, I love it. Seeing it used as a storytelling tool, it can go with some of our other programs as well, just kind of sneak, sneaking the code in there. But Scratch Junior is a free app, right? Yes, it's yeah. uh, for iPads and tablets of any kind. Uh, it's funny because Scratch Junior doesn't like computers, and regular Scratch doesn't like the iPad. So, hmm. uh, but Scratch Junior because it's drop and drag a lot of the, the icons. Mm-hmm. It's a free app. There's no in-app purchases. It's owned by the university and always will be free and open to the public. It's, so it's a really good beginner, safe one to start kids out with. Some good successful wins. Now, when I took that class, I told you on early childhood technology. We actually worked with Scratch Junior and we made a video game. And I, yeah, I had always used this program just for animation and storytelling and Mm -hmm. just how you delivered code or pause or the triggering events. This Mm -hmm. will happen if that happened, you know, if this touches that, it moves something. And doing that, I had like a little maze. And if you hit the wall of the maze, you got bumped back to the starting point. Very cool. Yeah. So I never thought to use it as a game until I actually took a class on it myself. Yeah, so that is a way that you all can get started at home right now, if you'd like, by downloading the app um, from the App Store. You can start with those coding skills. So again, we have a lot of different robotics events coming up here at EVPL at all different locations throughout the system. So you can check for those online through our website. I believe that most of them require pre-registration, though. So you can do that, again, through the website on our events calendar, or you can call any library location. We'd be more than happy to help. And then your petting zoo is just a drop-in, correct? Yeah, I think that's mid-July. We'll just have an exhibition and let the kids have some hands-on. Not really a big lesson class thing. Yeah, but a chance to get to see the equipment we're talking about and see if maybe signing up for one of our camps would be for you. So... We hope to see you this summer for the coming robot invasion. We hope you check it out. And if you have any feedback or want to see anything else, robots in the library, you can email us at podcast.org. Thank you. Thank you.